We are The Table and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time and we wanna give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope that this message moves you forward. everybody good morning everybody God bless you you know I am so happy that God fights for me I don't know about you but sometimes I got nothing I mean life can put you in some spaces that I just flat out feel like as smart as I am as resourceful as I am as strikingly handsome as I am I got absolutely nothing with what life is throwing at me. I don't have the answers as a parent. I don't have the answers as a husband. Don't be scared, but I don't have the answers as a pastor. But I am so grateful that my God fights for me. Because if you really think about it, I just want to take you in and give you this imagery for a second. He brings us through Egypt. Think about this, when the Red Sea, everybody's heard this story about approaching the Red Sea, but I just want to make sure that you fully get it because what's in front of them is not just like a little, like a small obstacle. Have you ever been to the beach? Have you ever stood at the mouth of a lake, the vastness of the water in front of you is something that you can't even measure. It's quite overwhelming if you really think about it. If you've ever been to the beach and you look out there, it's like you see nothing. You get lost in the distance and all you see is that the water meets the sky. Could you imagine death on your heels and you only approaching toward an imminent death in front of you? And here is God that says, I will rip open. I will rip open the sea that is in front of you. The sea that stops you from being able to see. I will rip it open. I will stand up and make a wall this way and a wall this way so you, your loved ones, everything you have, that you will be able to get through there. Just follow 
follow me. Just trust me. Just go. Don't look back. Don't worry about what's on your heels, but just go. I know that what's in front of you, you don't know how you're going to make it. But I'm here to tell you as a witness for the Most High God, if you just keep going, he will fight for you and he will open up. And as you get there and it still don't quite make sense because you're getting closer and closer, you're waiting for something to happen and you're like, God, I thought you said you would do it. And you're almost at the tip of the water and still nothing. I dare you to take one more step. You get to the edge and take one more step and watch before your foot hits the sand. He will do just what he said he would do. So I don't know if you're here today and you're at your breaking point. It's quitting time. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to just call it off. This is the end. It's over with. Oh, I dare you. In the name of Jesus. To just take one more step. Take one more step. Take one more step. And he will open it up because he fights for you. He fights for me. He loves us. He cares for us. And if you just go, he will part the sea. He will set you free. Oh, and it gets better. Because as you move forward, everything and everything attached to you comes along with. And that death that is on your heels, when it tries to come for the way that God made for you, he will close it in right on top of his head. And everything that thought it was going to attack you, everything that you thought was going to take over you, everything that you thought was going to be on your heels and you would have to deal with forever, I tell you now in the name of Jesus, I declare victory and freedom that it cannot go to the promised land with you. It shall not go to the places that God has ordained for you. It will not follow you into the places that God has promised you. It must stop because he fights for you. And all those who call his son your majesty. So you give your life. You obey the word of God. You can stand on such promises. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, what a mighty, 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 mighty God you are. I thank you for reminding us. You're not, you just don't fight for us. You win for us. Oh, you're not just putting up a good fight. It's not going to, a, to the judges for decisions. Oh, you knock it out for us. You make it so that we can win. You make it so that we, so that we can walk in promise. And we can walk in purpose. Father in heaven, let your will be done. Help us in our areas that we need more of you. That we need less of us and more of your strength. Less of our ego. Less of our past. Less of our dysfunction. Less of our attitude. Less of our know-it-all. And more of you. Meet us right where we are, Heavenly Father. So that we may be set free. As is your will for us. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty and miraculous name. Let us say amen. Amen. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Can we give our worship team just a hand this morning? Is that all right?
What an amazing team. I crack up, Todd stands up here and he says, yeah, I'm just one of the guys who does a thing with the guitar. Todd is our worship leader. <laughs> but he's such a humble dude that he won't ever like wear that fully. Because he's just like, oh no, I'm just one of the guys doing a thing, but he, he does it so well and so humble. And God is blessing us. He's blessing us. Our team is growing. Our church is growing. You know what excites me most about growth? It's not numbers and, and butts and seats. I'm sorry, if you're a visitor, sometimes I say stuff that... <laughs> sometimes I say things that you may be like, what? So if you're offended by butts and seats, tough. <laughs> People in... You know what I'm saying. But what excites me is that I see people growing in their faith. I see people taking chances on Jesus. I see young people. I see the young at heart people working together, praying together, studying together, thinking about what we're sharing from this sacred position, asking more questions, coming up and saying, hey, you shared a scripture last week. What, what was that at again? Oh, love that. Because that means we're thinking, we're reading, we're studying. We want to be a church that moves forward. And if we can guide you into that relationship with Jesus, we try to. We believe that if you read for yourself, we believe if you pray, that God will show up. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to, uh, lots of visitors today. God bless you. Um, I'm Pastor Nate Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at this wonderful, wonderful, blessed church called The Table. Amen. And today we are going to continue a series we started a couple weeks ago entitled Praying Through. Praying Through. We're addressing some of the things that may be happening in our lives or that we're trying to figure out or that the Bible records for us that we should pray about. And so today we're going to continue that. Um, and I want to share a scripture with you that's going to be the basis of our conversation. Is that okay? All right, and I call it a conversation for everybody who's new because I talk to you, and it's okay to talk back. Okay? All right. Two reasons. One, because I know you're awake if you talk back. Um, the other way is... Because the word of God declares that the amen is a way of being in agreement with. So if I say something that is in the word of God, that you know is in the word of God, and you agree with that, that it's okay to say. Not like, amen. Not like that. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I got two verses for you. Uh, three verses for you. 5, 16 through 18. And it says this. 
always be joyful. Someone say always. Never stop praying. Someone say never. Be thankful in all circumstances. Someone say all. For this is God's will. Say God's will. For you who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's on the screen behind me. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So our sermon title for today is Praying Through Everything. Why? Why are we going to pray through everything? Well, I want to tell you. Let's break down these words that I gave you to repeat. The first one was always. Always means at all times, in all occasions. Agreed? Amen. A plus, five gold stars, Chuck. The second word was never. Never means at no time, in the past or future, or on no occasion. The third one was Y'all are good. All, meaning the whole quantity or to the full extent of. And the last one was God's will. And I love this definition. I looked at a couple different places, but I, but I found an author. Um, in a, it's a periodical that I read from time to time. Um, but he describes God's will as the will of God as the superstructure for God's intervention in the affairs of humankind. That's a mouthful. I'm going to read that again. God's will is the superstructure for God's intervention in the affairs of humankind. So that Red Sea that we talked about is, it had to be God's will that when you approach the Red Sea, it had to be God's will that you survive that challenge because God did something supernaturally to make sure that what was chasing them did not catch them. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's go back to the scripture. Always be joyful at all times and in all occasions be joyful. At no time in the past or future should you stop praying. You should be thankful in all circumstances, in every circumstances, to the extent of all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, if there's a condition here. If you believe in Christ Jesus, it is God's intention for you to always, at all times and all occasions, be joyful. If you are with Jesus, 
It is God's will and his intention, his superstructure of intervention to make sure that you never stop praying because he wants to hear from you and he wants to make sure that he meets your needs. It is his intention and his desire that you are thankful in all circumstances, in every circumstance, no matter what's going on, that you are able to be thankful for what he has done. It is his will as long as you believe in Christ Jesus. So many of us, when we're expecting a letdown, we'll say, well, it is God's will. But see, God wants you to know that even in what you think is a letdown situation, even if you think it's a door-closing situation, even if you think the walls are crumbling, even if you think everything's failing, even if you think that you're losing, even then, if you are in Christ, then you ought to know that he hears your prayers. And it is in his will that you are filled with joy and thanksgiving in spite of how you feel. In spite of what you see. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Nate? What are you talking about? It ain't fun getting laid off. You're right, it ain't fun. But in all circumstances, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you have a main line to our God, the creator. And even if that is the reality, you have a direct connection. See, when you call your friends, they scream your calls when you got bad news. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You got family members that see you coming and will go in the other direction. Or maybe if that don't happen to you, maybe that's because you go in the other direction when you see them. See, I would never stand before you ever in my life and try to act like life is not difficult. Everything about life is difficult. As you grow and you grow older, you experience different things. Sometimes I wake up for no reason, my elbow hurt. I don't understand. I don't quite understand how I could be diagnosed with tennis elbow and I ain't never played tennis. <laughs> See, these are some things that don't seem to make sense to me. I ain't do nothing different with my elbow today. So why all of a sudden? Do you understand what I'm telling you? Life will hit you. So I don't know what your tennis elbow diagnosis is, but but, 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 but all of a sudden, one day, the person you love the most get on your last nerve. The thing you loved about them make you sick. Oh, he's so bright and witty and he's, he's so talkative. And, and then one day you're going to be like, would he shut up? If you ain't been there yet, just keep on living and keep on loving. 
That kid was real cute. And then all of a sudden, you done went way beyond your normal care, your support system. You will find somebody that as long as you know your they first name, they can take your kid. Okay, Jew, okay, all right. Julia, you say, huh? Can they go with you for a couple hours? The very things that you have become accustomed to and have become your normal will shift and change like that. Does that mean that God is no longer with you? Does that mean that God has somehow changed? Does that mean that prayer is somehow ineffective? Absolutely not. What it means is that it is God's desire that as change happens, seen or unseen, that he is still going to be there and he still has the expectation that you hit his main line and depend on him to see you through it. Hmm. Here we are. But sometimes we struggle to believe that certain things are important enough to God. And this is where it gets interesting because I can, we can take our cue from children. You ever, lay, you ever put a child on the spot to pray? And a child would say something like, okay, everybody pray. And they say, Lord, thank you for my pet worm. And thank you for, for Becca's baby, her baby doll. Who, lost, who has one eye, Jesus. See, a child will pray for anything and everything because you told the child that God hears them and you told the child that God loves them and cares for them and the concerns of their heart matter to God. So the child thinks, well, I'm thinking of a, a one-eyed baby doll. I'm going to pray for the one-eyed baby doll. Because it's bothering me, it matters to God. At some point, we have to stop We've forgotten that what matters to us, what's bugging us, what's bothering us, what's taking us down, what's taking our breath away, what's keeping us in the bed, that won't allow us to live anymore. Those things matter to God. I think it's so crazy. It's so crazy that somewhere along the lines of life, it's like, we think somehow, I don't know, that we've gotten too mature, like, 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 like we're supposed to ride the awful wave by ourselves for a time before we ask for help. I don't know what that is about getting older that before we would actually ask for help, we like feel like we got to just tough it out. Like God is going to be like, well... You should know by now what to do in there, so I'll just sit over here. God wants us to have childlike dependency on him. He wants us to have that. And it doesn't jive with us as human beings because we live our whole lives thinking as you grow older, as you get more mature, you ought to be more and more independent. Well, I got news for you today. The more that you grow, 
the more that you get into the word of God, you will realize that his desire is just the opposite. The more that you grow, there's supposed to be more dependency on him. See, we can't look at things by the definition of the world. The world says, grind it out, figure it out, work hard, do what you got to do. And I'm not talking about your effort here. I'm talking about us who work 10, 12, 15, 20 hours, kill ourselves, kill our bodies trying to figure it out, sitting behind the computer or reading books and preparing for exams, and we go, and we got to pull all-nighters, and we got to do all these things because we're going to push through. And God wants us to come to him with our one-eyed baby problem. Baby dolls, not like the one-eyed. That was a connection to like my previous point about the child praying. We need to understand we can be praying about anything. We need to come to God. When we pray, there's a way to pray. And I don't mean the words that you use. I mean the heart of what you do. What are some ways to pray? Some of you may heard this. Some of you may be familiar with this. But I'm going to give you just an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's a... It's an approach to prayer. I'm going to say that again. Acts. A-C-T-S. Everybody got that? Okay. A-C-T-S. The A stands for adoration or adore. God wants us when we pray. It's like praising God simply for who he is. He's a creator. He's a provider. He's a father. A lot of prayers are our father who are in heaven. Father God, you hear this in in language of those who pray, but you start with an adoration because you're simply just acknowledging who it is and having reverence for him. The C C is for confession of sin. So when you pray, you adore God, and you start with just confession. If, you, if you're a person who says, like, I don't know how to pray, or I don't feel like my prayers are being heard, go to God in reference, in reverence. God, you're the Father, you're the Creator, you're a provider. Lord, I realize that I, I have sin. I don't always make the best decisions. Some mistakes I make that I'm unaware of, other mistakes I make because I kind of like them. But I realize I shouldn't. So the C is confession of sin or repentance. The T is thanksgiving. Be thankful. Counting your blessings, being grateful for what God has given you, being grateful that you still have air in your lungs, that you're still living. I know it's a mess what you're trying to deal with, but you got another shot at it. And as long as you're on this side of the soil, you have another chance and another opportunity for God to come in and work his supernatural love. Amen? So we got the A, adore. We got the C, confess. We got the T, thanksgiving. 
and the S is for supplication. See, this is where most of us live. The supplication. The top of that word, supple, supply. In other words, all the stuff I need. All the stuff I want. Many of us, many of us jump right into the supplication. Many of us talk to God with all of our needs and all of our wants. We're forgetting who he is and what he can do. Any of you guys use, uh, what's, the, what's the thing uh, where, you, where you get your groceries? Like Instacart? Anybody ever use that? Instacart or uh, what's it, uh, uh, Uber Eats? Huh? Walmart? Pick, there you go. <laughs> Basically where you place an order and somebody else do your shopping and they either drop it off to you or you go pick it up. Well, sometimes, I know we've done it before, and the person doing the shopping, it's, it's kind of like, I kind of think it's like a little bit of a, I think it's kind of funny, but it's probably infuriating to my wife, because she'll like, yeah, if she placed the order, and then let's just say Tammy is the shopper, and then as Tammy is shopping, Tammy getting the wrong stuff. And Victoria would be looking at the list like, no, that ain't the right thing. And I'd be kind of laughing because I'd be like, she can't even hear you. I'm sorry. I love you, but <laughs> sometimes I'd be kind of laughing at this. That ain't the right one. I'd be like, but, but sometimes we place orders like that. And when we don't reverence God, when we're not talking to God, when we don't understand, because if you enter the place knowing that this, this my God can do all things, then I've already made up my mind before I even placed an order that he's able to do it. If I don't get in that right frame of reverence first, then I'm just really just talking, and I don't even expect it really to happen. I'm just following the motions because somebody said pray about the things I have need of. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're not careful, you're going through the motions of prayer. And you're not, you don't have any expectation. You haven't put yourself in the right posture that says, look, God, who can do all things? I'm not even worthy of what you already done. But here I am asking for more. I'm so grateful that you came and you did when I didn't deserve you. But I'm here again because I need more of you. That's all God wants. That's all God wants is us to acknowledge who he is, what he's capable of, that we confess our shortcomings, that we thank him for what he's already done, and then ask him for what it is. See, this is critically important, and Jesus is very methodical, and he gives us an example of how to pray and what to pray. Jesus took time to pray for you, every single one of you, every single one of you. If you, if you believe Jesus prayed for you, for you like, like for real you, just, just, just raise your hand. Jesus prayed for you, I'm saying, like he 
all them years ago, <laughs> prayed for you. Now, it got to be at least one person in this room thinking, but he ain't know me, though. How did he pray for me if he didn't? Hmm? So I'm the only one that ever asked that question? Hey, look, man, forget y'all. I don't care. <laughs> when I was on my faith journey, I asked questions like that. So I'm glad that you got it right away and it all made sense. But if you're anything like me, I had questions when people start telling me these things. So when, 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 when people start to say things like he died for me, he prayed for me, he loved me, I'm trying to figure it out because there's people, that's my cousins that I don't even know. So how in the world he prayed and loved me and didn't know? But he prayed for you. One of my favorite prayers that we see Jesus come to is in John, the 17th chapter. And I just want to read you a couple verses. Uh, I'll read to you John 17, verses 6 through 9. And this is Jesus. He knows that his days on earth are numbered. He knows that he's going to die. He knows that his, his time is up. And he saw fit when he's approaching his imminent death to pray. This is what we were talking about earlier. Wait a minute. It looked real bleak. But Jesus himself realized the thing to do right here in this mess is to pray. So in John 17, we see this, he prays, and he says this, I have revealed you, Jesus is saying to God, I revealed you to the ones who, gave, who you gave me from this world. They are always yours. You gave them, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me, and here we go. They accepted it, and, they, and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me because they belong to you. Beloved, there is something that's really important about Jesus' prayer here. He's saying, look, I need to pray, and I need to pray for your folks. I need to pray for your sons. I need to pray for your daughters. I need to take some time, Lord, before my days are over. And I need to pray for those who listen to the message and believe. See, this is peculiar because the world will tell you that Jesus is concerned about the condition of the entire world and everyone in it. Oh, man. Oh, man, we're going to ruffle some feathers this morning. Jesus himself made sure that his concern was with those whom he had told, believed, followed, obeyed, and belonged to God. How do they belong to God? The same way we saw in 1 Thessalonians. They belong to God because they believed in Christ. Wait a minute, but don't Jesus love everybody? Yeah, but does everybody love them back? He says... They believed. They accepted so they know. And they belong because they believe. John 17, 13 through 16, he says this. God, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world. So they would be filled with my joy. Remember in 1 Thessalonians, he always wants us to have what? Now, I'm coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them so that they would be filled with my joy. They would have 
joy because they believe in him. I have given them your word, and the world hates them. Check this out. The world hates them because why? They do not belong to the world. Who do they belong to? Here we are. Just as I do not belong to the world, they don't belong to the world, I don't belong to the world, and the world is going to hate them because they belong to you and not it. This is the good part. I'm not asking you, this is Jesus talking to God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. In other words, there will be circumstances all circumstances are not going to be ones that are comfortable in their faith. All of the circumstances won't be peaches and cream and ice cream and sprinkles and fairy dust. It won't always be like that. And I'm not asking you, God, to make it like that. I'm actually asking you to help them see that it won't always be like that and to protect them while they navigate the world around them. What? What? John 17, 20 and 23 continues. Jesus is praying to God. They do not belong to this world any more than I do, he says. Oh, I'm sorry, keep go to the next one. 17, 20 and 23. In case anybody was confused, Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples who are with me, because before he died, there were people who were with them. So the assurance that you ought to have is because of this declaration. I'm not praying. I am praying not only for these disciples who are with me, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. So, no, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus wanted us to know and he cared enough because you and I would have an active word, an active role in the world believing. I want you to catch this. You and I have an active role in the faith of the rest of the world. Say that to yourself. I have an active role in the world having faith in Jesus. One more time. I have an active role. Oh, I love that. Thank you. 
Thank you. I have an active role in the world having faith in Jesus. You know how powerful that is? You know how tall of an order that is? It's that it's through us that the world will know that Jesus is king and their salvation depends on him. Jesus thought enough to pray for us in this way. So I ask you, if that is our active role, and he did it for us, then who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Really? Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not asking who you're supposed to pray for. I'm not asking you about the person that you said you would pray for. When they told you their problems, you know, and you said, I, oh, I'll pray for you. Because you didn't know what else to say, but it was your way out the conversation. Or when somebody said, could you pray for you? You said, I sure will. I'll add that to my prayer list. So if Jesus knew that we would have an active role and he prayed for just that, then he knew it would be very challenging for us because the world around us would, would tell us, focus on yourself. Focus on you. So this is what I want you to do. If you, if you so desire, I want you to just stand where you are and look down the row. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.